We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast tuesday february 13th 2024 they put us on video again so all complaints can be directed to andy herman who i told him uh usually less of my ugly mug on camera is a good idea but since he is under the weather, I will brave the storm and torture the audience. So here is my face. Sorry about that for everybody involved. My much more handsome counterpart to my right here, that's Jacob Morley. And he is here. The title of this episode is Morley's Copium. Because there's <laughs> nothing he enjoys more than poking and prodding his friends that are Kansas City Chiefs fans. And there is no poking and prodding to be done because the Kansas City Chiefs, noted, are world champions once again after a victory over the San Francisco 49ers in the second Super Bowl in NFL history that has gone to overtime. Uh, over the San Francisco 49ers, again, flat brim Kendall Roy, better known as Kyle Shanahan, blows his third double-digit lead in the Super Bowl. And I would like to just really quickly – rehash the tweet that I threw out last night. Any best coach in the NFL conversation, you are eliminated from that if you have blown three double-digit leads in the Super Bowl. I do not make the rules. I just make them up and write them down. So Kyle Shanahan, you are henceforth eliminated until you get the proverbial Super Bowl monkey off of your back. And I'm sure you very much care what a dumbass like me thinks in that regard. Morley, that being said, there will be a parade not too far from your house again for the third time in the last five years or something like that. How are you feeling? Did you cry? No, no. <laughs> I mean, I don't even, I don't even poke and prod anymore. I really don't because I I've kind of just turned into like, this is what's going to happen. And it does usually. And, and it's not because I'm smart. It's just because there is an error about this chiefs football team that you, they're not losing. Like when they beat the Dolphins, like my buddies that are Chiefs fans, it's just like congrats, congrats on your next on your on your next year. And they're like, oh, they gotta, you know. And I feel like I'm the one that's being braggadocious almost in these like in these DMs, where it's like, no, they're going to win. Like these MFers don't know how to lose. They just don't know how to lose, and they don't. 
And my the prediction going into this game for me was basically, I think it's going to be a close game, but Pat is going to do whatever it takes to win. And guess what? That's what happened. And <laughs> sure enough. Uh, and, and like even at halftime, and I think I was I was just kind of tweeting through it too. I'm just like I'm like, I'm a hundred percent confident the Chiefs are gonna win this game down 10 to nothing. And it was it wasn't because the 49ers were dominating the first half, because they did. Like statistically, they dominated the first half everywhere except the scoreboard. And like the more that game went on and the more it was like close or close-ish. Sorry, they're not going to win. Like they're not going to win. Ten points is not enough. They're that you cannot hold Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, and Patrick Mahomes down for that long. Nope. Unless you're Joe Barry, but everyone else, you know, everyone else has to has to hold these guys down. And you know, and then they get. I mean, there are, and this is gonna this is gonna sound like copium, but like I want to preface it with, I think any great run has this three things you have to have to be on any type of run like this. One, you have to have fantastic coaching. Chiefs do. You have to have special, special talent. The Chiefs do. And you have to have luck. You got to have some luck on your side too. And and they've had some things bounce their way. I mean, Tommy Townsend sent a moon shot into the sky and it came down and hit a 49er in the foot. And then they got the ball. I mean, like that is a one in a hundred type thing. The luxurious Sneed, you know, punch out at the goal line. Fantastic play. Like, hats off to luxurious That's a one in a hundred thing. They practice that, but like where he was at, hitting the ball, where the ball came out, a guy being there to fall on it. That is a great play mixed in with a lot of like the ball bounced your way. Um, this is going to sound. I mean, I, my heart goes out to Drew to Drake Greenlaw. Like that is an awful awful injury at the worst possible time. Like I cannot even imagine what he's going through trying to run on the field and tearing your, I mean, it looks like he has a torn Achilles, right? The chiefs weren't upset about that. You know, like don't have to deal with that guy. Oren Burks came in the game. They targeted him nine times for nine catches, like in almost a perfect passer rating, like very unlucky, awful, awful for Greenlaw. But for the Chiefs, that's that's a break. You know, you you catch a break with one of the best premier linebackers in the NFL getting hurt that way. I mean, so good for. I mean, what do you want to? What do you do? What do you say? I mean, they, it really is like they just the universe is just aligned for the Chiefs right now, and that's just kind of how it feels. Um, and I don't think they're going anywhere. You know, Patrick's not even thirty years old. You know, they've got some older guys on the roster, but like as long as 15 is upright, good luck. You know, as long as Andy can be cognizant, he's going to coach. Andy's not going anywhere. Uh, you know, so we'll see. I just pray to God that they are not smart enough to keep Chris Jones. And it seems like Chris Jones is like the much better, much better version of Preston Smith, but kind of similar how Packers fans have like kind of like been pushing Preston out the door for three years. It feels like Chiefs fans have been doing that with Chris Jones. And every time I watch the Chiefs play in a big game, it seems like 95 makes literally the game deciding play. So I, yeah. I don't get it. He wants like $31 million. I would give it to him yesterday. Um, but, you know, that's for them to decide. I, I hope for the rest of us they don't. I hope he goes somewhere else. Um, Chiefs are probably still going to win Super Bowls without him. But 
man, give the rest of us a shot, you know? Uh, so we'll see, but you know, hats off to Kansas city. It's, it is, it is their time right now. Um, and it's just kind of their world and we're just living in it, you know, and you, you hope that, uh, you know, a Packers team that we're going to talk about here, a young Packers team can threaten them. They, you know, for the most part, they beat the brakes off that team in the regular season. Uh, that game was closer on the scoreboard than it was on the field. That's fun. That's good. You know, but that's, you don't hang banners for that. That's just something that you're like, oh, cool. They beat the champs. Neat. That's right. exciting. You know, that's exciting to know that they can compete with those guys. Uh, but with that said, that was a regular season game. As this as this young Packers team found out, uh, the playoffs are a different beast. You know, I think that was the big lesson they learned this year was, you know, it's not it's not always as easy as playing the Dallas Cowboys in the wild card round. You know? No, you unfortunately – they play the California Cowboys, which is what I'm referring to the San Francisco 49ers as from now on. But the California Cowboys own the Green Bay Packers currently, uh, much like the Packers own the Dallas Cowboys. If you want some optimism to carry you through from now until August, obviously you'll be able to point to that Sunday night game like we talked about. The Packers beat the Kansas City Chiefs, and they were within a field goal from – beating the San Francisco 49ers who won the conference. And, mm -hmm. you know, they go in and they play Detroit in a, a building they've already won in that year. Maybe Green Bay is playing yesterday. Maybe they just lose to Detroit after that. I don't, you know, we'll never know. That's why these alternate universes are kind of an exercise in, in tomfoolery there. But that's, that's where we're at. Uh, Kansas City is the modern-day <clears throat> New England Patriots. And maybe more likable. I certainly think they're more likable than than that version of the Patriots uh, now as the Patriots at least progress through the whole thing. But eventually you get fatigued from watching those teams win anyways. I will tell you this. If I can draw it up, though, I've, I had this conversation with Wayne Larrabee once upon a time saying that teams like that are are good for the game. And I, and I think they are. Um, because when if you could draw it up, that's the team you want to beat. And, and I know that because I lived it uh, in a college game a month ago. You know, if I could have drawn it up, how I would have liked Michigan to win a national title, obviously beating Ohio State was part of that. But then beating Nick Saban in Alabama, that wasn't the national championship, but that is one of those teams that you want to slay if you are trying to slay that proverbial dragon. The Chiefs are that team now. So uh, if the Packers play the Chiefs in a Super Bowl, I promise you Jacob Morley will not live regardless of how that game ends. So I kind of hope for the sake of my pal here that that never happens. But I'll just come watch it with you. I'll come oh, watch it with you. And, and you can live with me for the next week <laughs> after well, the game's depending. over too. After they the win, I'm coming, back. I'm coming back in a fury. Oh, if they but, win, you got to come yeah. up with me to the parade. But yeah, come back in yeah, a fury after. So well, that's, the Packers that's are, you know, the Packers are 1-0 against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. So. They are, and Jordan Love has never, ever lost a game to Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady. Well, nope, never mind. That's not true. <laughs> 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 Shit, I forgot. I've, I've had that in my head all day, and I completely forgot about 2021. He does not have a losing record against Patrick Mahomes. He's outplayed him twice. He has yes, outplayed he has. him twice. Yes, he has. Uh, I will say, uh, I do want to say this, though. I you know Going back to... Being a being a middle school teacher, you know, it's 
it was neat to see. And I know a lot of people get bent out of shape about Taylor Swift and like, whatever, I don't care, but it was cool to see like a lot of young people, namely young girls that for like the first time are talking to me about football. Like coming back, hey, Mr. Stack, did you watch the game? Like, yeah, of course I watched the game. Like, did you see Taylor? Like, yeah, I saw it. Like, I think that was that is cool uh, to see, um, you know, people getting interested in the game. And I think it was – I saw a tweet somewhere and I thought – I was like, man, this makes – this this is so wise of this person to say that. And it was – I think it was like Brett Coleman. Is that right? Brett something. But he, and he, and he was like, you know, why don't we – like rarely in the universe – are there ever parallels, you know, cross sections of things that men love, love and things that women love. And here they are, you know, the Super Bowl, those are intersecting. And why not embrace that? Like, I thought it was fun. I hope everyone, you know, had a little bit more fun at like their Super Bowl parties and stuff like that. So um, super cool. Just and, and that's been my experience. And I I get annoyed with seeing Taylor on the screen sometimes, too. But like ultimately. Yeah, I think it's pretty neat. I think it's pretty See, cool. I, I saw somebody the tweet yesterday. Fifty-four seconds. Yeah. Fifty-four seconds was the screen time of her on the television. So I don't understand the vitriol. Now I say this: I am pro Taylor, so I like Taylor Swift. I blop. Yeah, I'm not going to go into into all that, but You're it is Swift funny. Uh, my daughter is, and yeah. so I kind of am by extension, I guess. Um but I like her. I think she's cool. I think she's smart. I think she's funny. She's obviously supremely talented. Like she's a self-made talented female. What's to hate about that? But whatever to me, it's funny, even at the lowest of like human IQ, let's just go this route. Men are sitting down watching a game of meatball, hairy, sweaty, men on the television screen and are upset that a pretty girl is going to be shown every once in a while. Like that just doesn't make any sense to me. But if there's anything I learned, my father who, who's not asking to be shown either. Right. Yeah. That's the other, I mean, (laughs) yeah, that's yeah. My father always told me, and this is what I'll say before we segue, people are not happy unless they have something to bitch about. And I think that that's what ultimately this boils into. Well said. Yeah. So all right. All uh, anyways, let's get into last week. We talked a little bit about like defensive backs and safeties and, and stuff like that. So what I wanted to get into is I think everybody kind of agrees that green Bay's biggest need, whether it's corner or safety is in the secondary. I, I don't think you'll get a whole lot of arguments from, from other people that it's in another spot. Maybe somebody might argue left tackle if they think Rashid Walker stinks or, you know, whatever. For the most part, I think if you poll a majority of Packer fans, they'll say they need a corner, they need a safety, they need both, something like that. So this week, Jacob Morley, I wanted to talk about some needs that are maybe secondary from that top need that Green Bay has in this draft class. So positions that maybe not necessarily, because the position I'm going to talk about is not the one that they're going to target at like pick 25, but the position you have is one that they will talk about. Uh, when it comes to that position. So let's get into this first. What is your like sales pitch as to why Green Bay has a need at your position? Well, so my position is edge, right? Pass rusher. And you wouldn't say that's a dire need, 
because it's not. But is it not? <laughs> you know, that's kind of like what we're talking about here because you look at the group they have, they have players that can get after the quarterback. Like they do like players to be excited about, you know, Rashawn Gary is Rashawn Gary. They just paid him. Um, he was great for them this season. He wasn't great down the stretch. Like, so like what version of Rashawn are we going to get next year? And I don't say that to sound off an alarm. I more so say that because maybe Rashawn is at his best when he's not playing 75% of snaps. Maybe the version we got of him earlier in the season was the best version of him because he was on a little bit more of a pitch count and that's okay. Like if he can come in and play 30 plays, 30 snaps a game, 25 snaps a game and, and just wreck stuff like he was, that's more impactful than him playing 55 snaps a game and not being, you know, in the backfield every play. So how do you get to that point with Rashawn, you know, add a guy, you add a guy in the draft and Oh, Jacob, they just took a guy at 13 last year and Lucas Van Ness. Cool. Take another, right? And with Van Ness, you, you like, I, I'm I'm encouraged by what we saw from Lucas Van Ness his rookie year. I thought he got better as the year went on. I think there's a lot to like. I thought there was a lot to like about him coming out of Iowa, but still a second year guy. Um, someone that had, what, three and a half sacks. You hope he makes the jump. Uh, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he does. I don't know. So that's a question mark that you have for him. Uh, Preston Smith, mm, arguably his probably his second best year in Green Bay was last year. He, I thought he was fantastic for the Packers last year. Uh, he's not going anywhere. He'll be back. But you know, he's been. We've talked about we talked about it already. It seems like they've been. You know, Pat fans have been pushing him out the door for like two years. He's been like that cap number guy. Like they can save money by getting rid of this guy. Uh, no one's better than the number than you no know, Preston's better than the number and he's going to be on this team um, beyond that. You know, they're your three guys, Preston, Lucas, Rashawn. Those are guys that you you really like. And then you kind of get into your secondary guys, the King Kingsley and Igbare. Nice player. All right. Good player. Hurt. And is he going to play? Hurt. Like, how much is he going to play next year? Is he going to play at all? Is he going to be, yeah. I remember a conversation we had, about Kylan Hill on this very show when his leg exploded in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And I was like, guys, his career could be over. Could be. Like he, he was a seventh round pick limited. Like Enig Barry is a day three pick limited. Enig Barry has shown more, but absolutely like limited athlete. I don't know. You know, I think he can win without the athleticism. That's just I agree his too. style, but, but he doesn't have a ton to give up. Right. And so, even there's only like if you could teach me technique and make me the best technician in the world, my slow ass is not beating an offensive tackle just at ever. So, any Barre at his worst day will still be far better than all of my best days, but that's a fair question to think about. And I think that's the way that Gutekunst kind of has to approach. Like, I mean, I'm not suggesting that this career, this injury was career ending and debilitating, but. You can't count on Enigbari. You can't count on Brent know, Cox, who you're going to yeah, get into, I'm sure. Well, Cox and Enigbari. So, like, they're going to be they're going to run multiple fronts. So, like, take this with a grain of salt. But Enigbari is like 250, 255. He is not really Small. like your hand in the dirt type guy. Right. And and maybe that's all right. Maybe they still rush him standing up. They very well could and probably will. 
Um, same with Brenton Cox, but Brenton Cox is also someone that like, he was fun in the preseason. I like Brenton Cox too. Like I'm excited about Brenton Cox. No way in hell am I going into the season expecting him to do anything for me. He's that lottery ticket that you're like, I kind of feel good about this ticket. I feel good about this number, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not spending my lunch money, you know, because I think I'm going to hit on this ticket. And so with that, it's like you start to kind of draw the pieces together and you're like, well, you know, if they want just another absolute dog to get after the quarterback, they usually take those guys high. Like, you know, or or you end up with like an Enigbare type, which Enigbare is a nice player they got in the fifth round. That's that's a home run because those guys actually usually don't pan out when when you look at the raw data, like after pick 40. Those guys very rare. Like Enigbare is actually already a huge success. Yes. for what he's been able to do yep. because those guys typically just don't hit. So if you're going to take an edge guy, don't be like, Oh, just take one in round four. He's probably going to stink. Like uh, the numbers would say he's probably not going to be very good. So you're sitting there at 25 and there's players like Darius Robinson from Missouri sitting there. Guys, I'm saying this now in February. If the Packers thought Lucas Van Ness was him, Darius Robinson is cut from a similar cloth. He's just bigger, just bigger, <laughs> uh, you know, but like he's, he's, we'll see how he tests. Like, but everything I have heard is like, he's going to test. Like he's good. Like he might not be there at 25. Like that's the other thing. Like he had a great week at the senior bowl. Um, he had a great season for Missouri. He plays inside out. You know, he's, he's more of like that even front guy that now you take someone like that. And when I say edge rusher for like the Packers, what I really mean is like a pass rusher. And like he is a pass rusher. They could play him inside. They could play him outside. Um, and I think he would give them, you know, I'm just singling in on one guy, but he would give them so much versatility on the front end. When you already have guys like Carl Brooks, who has played inside outside, you have Colby Wood, who's played inside outside. So you can kind of do a lot of stuff with these guys when you start thinking about, you know, where we can line them up. Can you do like a NASCAR package? Like, I mean, imagine Kenny Darius on the inside, Van Ness, Gary, hand in the dirt on the outside. Like there's four guys that can get after the quarterback. And, you know, we talk about like the Eagles of the past few years. We talk about line changes, Jacob. The Packers want to do that. Like, I don't think that was a Joe Barry thing. I think that is a Brian Gutenkunst thing. And, you know, you look back to they brought in Whitney Merciless. They had him with both the Smith brothers with Vashon. Like that was the year that like, man, everybody seemed to be getting healthy at the same time. And then they get a field goal blocked or whatever and lose. But that's what I think they want to do. And that's what I think Hathaway wants to do. And, and it should be what they want to do, because if you have guys that can get after the quarterback, you can never have too many of them. And just watch what it does for the back end of your defense. Look what Chris Jones does for that Chiefs defense. You know, they let Chris Jones go. I, I wonder what that secondary looks like next year without a guy in the quarterback's face every third play. So that's what I think, you know, in today's NFL, corners are great when you have great corners. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I love – I would take five Jair Alexanders. But – not with a bunch of Kyle, Kyler Fackrells rushing the passer. I still think you get you still get you still get beat. So give me the pass rushers, and that's why I think the edge, you know, pass rusher is a, is a sneaky 
you know, secondary need that like, hey, don't be surprised if the pick is in at 25 and you hear the name Jared Verse or Darius Robinson oh. or Ch- or, Chop- or Chop Robinson, you know, any of these guys. And you're just like, I mean, people. I think people would initially be like, oh, they just took an edge rusher. And then I think people would realize really quickly, like, okay, <laughs> like, cool. I, I see the vision, you know? Yeah, I, I mean – you know, the old rule, there's no such thing as too many pass rushers. Like, it's just I, – I don't mean to, like, belabor the point there, but the hockey line change that you're talking about that they could do and just the ability to – I mean, kind of hedge your bets a little bit on what if Gary, you know, is, like you said, better suited in a – not a limited role, but a more limited role than that. What if Preston Smith takes a step back? All that stuff that you just kind of said. You know, if it were me – General rule of thumb is pass rusher is a position that I could take in the first round every single year. Like if I'm not considering a pass rusher, then in my opinion, I'm doing it wrong. Just because again, you can't, unless I have Nick Bosa, Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, and like all those guys on the same team, which that would be awesome, but obviously never going to happen. Like unless I have all those guys on the same team, then yeah, I'm considering a pass rusher at whatever pick it is that I have. And especially if the right one, or to drop to that spot. So uh, Jared well, Verse, my this process crushes too. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The last point that we can make about this too, that I think is the best point. Who did they just spend a boatload of money on be, when they took Rashawn Garrity? Top yeah, the, the brother Smith. Yeah. Yeah, Z and Preston, and then, yeah, and then they drafted Rashawn. Don't think and, they won't. <laughs> Don't no, think and, they won't. No, and you've seen it. Like, we've seen the – I hate using the term formula, but you've seen, like, the formula for the, – the idea in Gutekunst's head when he did that was to build a buzzsaw to beat Tom Brady and Dak Prescott and, and all these great quarterbacks that were in the conference at the time. And, and in the Super Bowl, like, we've seen Mahomes look mortal, like, twice 
maybe ever in the playoffs. And it's been and that one time against Tampa where he was running for his life and he got hit a bunch. You know, if Green Bay is going to be like, again, this is the privilege that Green Bay has now is the focus is on beating the teams in the conference, obviously. But yes, how do you get over that hump and win the Super Bowl? Yeah, you want to hit those guys and and be able to do that with some of these space alien freakazoids to to run and keep up with the Josh Allens and the Lamar Jacksons if that's Why the team they, you end up facing. You you rewatched that Packers Chiefs game recently. How did they beat Mahomes? They hit him. That, they yeah, hit him red zone especially stacks. in the red zone. Like mm-hmm. I had buddies, you know, Chiefs fan buddies texting me that weren't super familiar with the Packers. Like just like holy crap, like they're they can get after the quarterback. It's like yeah, they can. <laughs> they can. Just unfortunately. If you stop them, if you stop that pass rush ever, it gets ugly quickly. Yeah, and that'll be the part that gets interesting for Jeff Halfley. And I'm excited for what this – like, I get excited for the front every year. But next year it feels like everybody in theory should be back, should be better, should take those – like, there's a possibility that this Packers front could be really, really good in 2024. Um, and I do think that they could stand potentially to add another defensive tackle as well. But that is not – the position I'm going to go with, we're going to go on the offensive side of the ball in the skill spot. I don't think this is an underrated. Whoa, whoa, position. whoa. <laughs> you're going to talk about, I'm talking about trench guys and you're talking about skill guys. I know. I know the world whoa. is not, the 49ers should have won. Yesterday. Changing. Jeez. Well, okay. Well, let's hear that's, it. A receiver. No, no. Oh. Come on. What do you think this is? Uh, no, uh, I'm going to running back is a position. I think that not one they'll pick at 25. Um, you know, if there, there was a, B, yeah. no, if there was a B. John Robinson or somebody like that in this class, then yes, I would take B. John or somebody like that at 25, but there isn't. So then you get into like the question with this team is Morley, you said this before the show and then we kind of tweaked it because we figured out, yeah, that probably isn't the case, but the conversation surrounding Aaron Jones, if the Packers don't make the playoffs is a smidge different than the way it is right now, because if they just lose to Chicago and say Jones has an average ish, you know, 75 ish yards kind of game, then it's okay. He ran for 103 of the last four, but he was dinged. He got hurt twice. He missed a lot of time. He was limited another time. He's not going to make it through a whole season. We should still probably bring him back, but, you know, then the conversation is make sure you find his replacement next year because next year is it, right? So, that's not the case. Jones is the heartbeat of the team. Brian Gutekunst said those words, not me. So that is a big deal. That matters. Jordan Love has talked about how important he is to the team. If you guys haven't watched Jordan Love's interview with Micah Parsons on Bleach Report, just there's some stuff that got a little boring to me, but like a lot of it was really, really good. And and you sit there and listen to just the way Jordan Love talks about Aaron Jones and the way Matt LaFleur has talked about him, the way Brian Gutekunst, his team, the, that clip. To me, everything you need to know about Aaron Jones – is summed up by that clip with Jaden Reed hugging him saying like, I want to block for you. I feel messed up when I don't block for you. Like you're, you're a guy to play for. He's the face of the franchise right now. Um, and, and I use that term. It's a, it's a short lived thing. Cause next year I do think that's going to be Jordan love. I'm, I'm getting ready to process my league MVP odds bet. And I'm betting on Jordan, uh, Jordan love for that. So for those of you that want to make fun of me as a non Jordan love believer, Feel free. I wasn't, but I am all in on that dude. Uh, I think I think he's the goods. So I was wrong, and I'll be happy to admit that. But that's not really the point. Aaron Jones, he's back. A.J. Dillon, to me, I just don't see a contract scenario because 
I often talk about this where it's like by giving him a contract, even if it's one year, $3 million or something like that, you're also using a roster spot and space where you like, he's AJ Dillon. You he's been here before you have to use him, right? Where maybe that roster spot could be used uh, somewhat better. Start there, Morley real. Well, I thought I had to sneeze. So now I guess I don't anymore, but we can move forward. <laughs> this is great radio. Um, so Dylan, I, I don't see a scenario where bringing him back in my opinion is a good idea. Um, I think he, he was. A, That's my, does he, does he fit what Green Bay wants to do moving forward? I don't think so. Like, like that's I don't the either. part that, and that's the hard part with him is I just feel like the only explosive playmaker in the backfield right now is Aaron Jones and Dylan is part of that. I, and I think that some of the concerns about Dylan coming out of college have just come to the point where they're valid. Now, you know, he's not overly explosive. He's not great in short yardage, which is kind of supposed to be his thing. He doesn't really run behind his pads all that well. And like, yes, he can catch the football. Like I see him like, it's not he's better the, than what was that? He's better than what right. was advertised, but he's not PFF when he got, balls. No, when he got uh, drafted, PFF made it sound like it. You've seen Varsity Blues. Mm-hmm. Remember when Tweeter is describing like how Billy Bob is going to catch the ball? He's like, oh, ball, what am I going to do? I catch it. Like, that's not how A.J. Dillon is with catching the football. But it's not a natural thing either. Like, I feel like Green Bay could stand to upgrade both backup running back positions, which gets me into, you know, the Emmanuel Wilson – and the Patrick Taylor, like there are people that really smart people too, that are just kind of willing to say, let those guys do it and see what happens. I'm not one of those people. Uh, I'm not one of those people either that says take Saquon Barkley second overall, but I don't have, like, I haven't seen anything from Emmanuel Wilson in a game that matters that says I can count on him to be one of my backs going into the season. I can count on like Patrick Taylor is good at everything, not great at anything and a replacement. Like he's the R in war. If you guys are familiar with the baseball terminology, he's a replacement level player. And that's fine. Those players have value to me. Emmanuel Wilson, your running back room is in a really good spot. If Emmanuel Wilson and Patrick Taylor, like coming into camp are the, Oh, which one of these guys ends up on the practice squad? Maybe both of them do like, and keeping those guys as like potential call-ups for when somebody gets dinged because they know the offense, they know all that stuff. But I think the Packers, you saw them this year trying to replace both of those guys. They actually cut Patrick Taylor. He signed elsewhere and then eventually came back. But James Robinson was in and out of Green Bay. Kenyon Drake was in and out of Green Bay. Like they tried to upgrade that position. They just haven't. So I think this, this running back room could stand at really add two players in – in the draft and and it's one guy that maybe you grab early and one guy you grab late maybe the if you want blueprints we talked about like eddie lacy and jonathan franklin as day two and day three players that they took with their picks or uh you have the the year that they took jamal williams aaron jones and Devonte mays all on day three maybe that's something that they try and repeat they gutican said they project about 11 picks so with those 11 picks yeah maybe you spend early on a guy like Jonathan Brooks, uh, I'm going to be partial to Blake Corum, but Blake, I, I think some of the concerns about Corum are a smidge overblown. But guys like that, maybe you do that early and make sure that you say like, hey, we get the best back in the class or the guy we feel like is the best back in the class. And then you take a couple shots on day three and 
and do something like that. Um, you know, Jonathan Brooks, got, we talked before. You have five, five top 100 picks, right? So, like, that's – you got to start asking yourself, too, like, 25 – not gonna happen. There's not. A, there's yeah. just not a running back worth the 25, 25th overall pick. 41. And I don't think there's one worth forty-one either. I think you might have to take Brooks there because he won't but be there maybe, at fifty-eight. But well, maybe, maybe I don't know. I think it's gonna depend like how how are his medicals. Yeah. Like if if you look at him and you're like, oh no, he he'll be ready for camp. Okay, you might be thinking forty-one. Then if not at fifty-eight or whatever that pick is, maybe that's when you start thinking about him. And. And maybe you do. Maybe you just say, "Hey, we're gonna take him at fifty-eight. He's not gonna play half the first half of the season." No, and then and, you redshirt him the way you kind of did AJ Dillon, and then the guy you pick later is your quote-unquote backup yeah. running back. And maybe that season. works. You know, I, I think it would be a fool's errand to just assume that Aaron Jones is gonna play the whole year. Like, I just, oh yeah, when's the last time he's done? It? And we talked. You talked about that at the top of this segment. Like, what does the conversation look like? Because Hell, their their first hundred yard back was Carolina, yes. And then they didn't look back. Like I mean, then he had like one boom, 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 boom. But until then, it was like they don't have a running back. And uh, and then you saw. I think that's partially why this conversation is happening. Because good lord, you saw this offense when they did, right? And it's like, yeah, my guy. We need to insulate that room. Then, yeah, my guy Bill Huber wrote that story saying like, essentially, the joke he made was running backs don't matter, but they do in Green Bay because the offense was just so much better when they had that consistent Green throw Bay, of that ground game. Green Bay seems to be linked to every free agent running back as well. And Which I, is interesting. It is interesting. I hope they don't, but maybe they do. I don't know. I'll say this. I don't know how much money that they would like give, but if I'm only bringing up this name because they were linked to Jay Gla- mm-hmm. by Jay Glazer to him at the traded line. And that is Saquon. That is one of those things I would get over like in five minutes <laughs> just to, it, if he's healthy, say it's healthy. Saquon's really good. That's really kind good of the player. worry with him and Jones, right? Is maybe the thought process is we take both of them and then hope we'll one get us both in a given week. Both of them will get us through a season. Yeah. Uh... And I think even if Aaron Jones is healthy for the whole season, like one of the biggest gripes is, Jones's usage, but the Packers have clearly shown through two head coaches. Why do you think he was gangbusters the last four weeks? Dude, that dude was ready. Now <laughs> I under, and I, and yeah, I understand. Yeah. And I understand during the season being frustrated because the thought process was, what are you saving him for? Because, you know, we don't have the affordability to wait any longer now, maybe a little different. We'll see if that ends up being that way. But I, I think that, Again, the, the playmaking in Green Bay's backfield is an army of one. It's Aaron Jones. Like, is if there's a guy, you pitch it to him and say, hey, he could break this one for 50. Jones is the only one. You know, Dylan, no. And those, you know, practice squad back of the roster guys just no. And that's where, again, you get into some of these explosive potential running backs. I know Braylon Allen's going to be a popular one. I, I don't love that. I, I don't. There is. There is a running back I take at 41. Blake Corley. His, Mal- His name's Malachi Corley. <laughs> and he actually plays wide receiver. But oh, geez. I, would, I would take him uh, there. Jalen Harrell. Think about USC. There's a couple guys. Harrell's good. Jaylen I like Harrell. the Lloyd, the Lloyd, Mar- Marshawn Lloyd from USC. Yep. He's good. Yep. 
you know, like there's good players and like there's going to be good day three players. The lob kid from uh, like New Hampshire or whatever. I mm-hmm. recently watched like getting into him. He's fun. And there's always, always value on day three with these running backs. And they have a bajillion day three picks. Like I wouldn't be shocked at all if they just took two on day three. Like even if, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they triple up and just say, hey, we're probably, you know, got two spots, got three of you, two spots, figure it out. Yeah, I think it's I, like I said. I think that's the way they should do it. And maybe like this year, you're looking for a guy who's a compliment or a, a running mate with Aaron Jones, who ends up replacing him, and then another guy who becomes like the running mate to whoever that other guy is. You know, just keep going through all of those backs. But the other thing I'd like to see them do is find a guy, just a true third down pass catcher. And Bucky Irving is the the popular name out of Oregon because mm-hmm. he caught about a thousand passes when he was at at Oregon. But someone to that effect, they never really had that when Rodgers was in Green Bay. Aaron Jones is fine as a pass catcher, but for everyone to be like, oh, he's a weapon in the passing game, yes and no. Like, yes, he is, but it has to be, like, perfect for him to do. And that's okay. He's not not consistently going to beat a linebacker one-on-one. Like, I know people might not want to hear that, but, like, he just doesn't. No, and running backs like Christian McCaffrey are like Christian McCaffrey is Christian McCaffrey because he's Christian McCaffrey. That sounds really stupid, but like he's rare. Aaron Jones isn't that. And that's okay. But can you get somebody like, I mean, I've seen Aaron Jones like just watch his hands when he goes to catch the football. Like it always just kind of looks a little interesting. And you could tell just not that natural with it. And that's not a slight. He's worked and he's gotten a hell of a lot better in that part of his game since he became a Packer. Like, Everybody rolled their eyes about it when McCarthy was the coach, but like Jones was not unplayable, but you were kind of worried about it in the passing game if he was out there. And that's why Jamal Williams got more run over him, you know, early in their careers. And and Jones has gotten a lot better at that. But I'd like to see them find somebody who can they find a true threat in the passing game that like this guy can catch it, break a tackle, and score. Or, you know, I'm not asking them to run like true routes like you know, stuff like that. But can we get something out of that? You know, the Packers, when's the last, I think the last pass catching back they had was like Dorsey Levins. Tyler Irvin. Tyler, and even Irvin, like they didn't really use him. Like that's he was, was hard. To- they used him in like one game where he was like the motion guy and people lost their minds. Yeah, it was the season opener in 2020. It was funny. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know. I just would like to see more stuff similar to that. You know, obviously Green Bay's got – the smaller slot guy like Jaden Reed and, and players like that, that kind of help fill some of that void for third down stuff. I just, if you're looking for a weapon on offense, I think that's something that could be useful, you know, just in terms of throw it out to a guy, let him catch it, break one tackle and and he's got a first down or, you know, Jameer Gibbs ability in Detroit is something that was on display quite a bit. And Gibbs is, you know, a special player too. McCaffrey special player too, but I just think the running back room needs a little bit of love and, and I will not be upset at all. If honestly, you know, like you said, Morley, what'd you say? They have five picks in the first two, first three rounds. Yep. I'm no mathematician, but I think that's how it works. I wouldn't be pissed at all if they use two of them on running backs, just so you know, you know, kind of thing. Um, there's probably better ways to use those resources, but I'm not upset if that is the way that they, they decide to go or if they do a two and a four or something like that too. But that's going to be an interesting uh, battle and an interesting way of Gutekunst's approach. Cause I just don't know. 
I feel like this draft could get very heavy on the defensive side of the ball. Um, mm-hmm. which I mean, that's kind of the way they've typically done things, but well, I you feel think like they don't need a quarterback. They probably don't need a receiver. They might still take one. They definitely don't need a tight end. And and also the tight end class is crap. Like if they take a tight end, it would be weird. So you're looking on offense, like where where, where are they going to pick guys on offense? Offensive line, running back. And if there's a receiver that they just cannot get over, right? But like it's it's gonna it's weird. It's it is kind of odd uh going into this season, just being like they don't really need an offensive player. So I think it will be defensive heavy, but they can pick and choose where they want to go on the offensive side of the ball. And I think it'll be offensive line and running back. So we shall Yeah, see. and we talked last week about this being a potentially like offensive line heavy type of class. And I do think that's still possible, at least on the interior, adding competition that way. Um, Budokan's talked about adding competition in every room, whichever general manager ever says that. Um, but yeah, you're right. I think that, if I were ranking positions, I think they will draft. Quarterback is the last one. You know what? This is a completely random thought. I said this to you and Ross like a, a little bit ago. I would take I, – I still think they might take a quarterback like in the seventh round. If Joe Milton is sitting there, the quarterback from Tennessee, mm. I would take him in the seventh round just for pure preseason entertainment, entertainment value. Yeah, he's Because that guy can throw but... the ball – he can throw the ball – out of the stadium. Yeah. He it can throw the pigskin a quarter mile. Yeah. He's yeah. trust me. I've lived the Joe Milton <laughs> situation. I'm very familiar with his work. Oh yeah. Uh, he had that Wolverine. He had one game in the COVID season against Minnesota where he looked awesome. And we're like, Oh my God, we got like a Patrick Mahomes type quarterback. And then they sucked the rest of the year. And he was bad too. He got benched for Cade McNamara, who is not going to be somebody who gets drafted very high either. So, uh, not this year, but next year. Uh, anyways, yeah, quarterbacks toward the bottom of that list. Receiver, I think, is one of those things. And we'll t- trust me, we got Morley. We'll talk plenty about receivers. But uh, I, I snuck one in still today. Yeah, to me, I, I think for receiver, my take is if you're taking one at 25 or 41, cool. Otherwise, yeah. Unless it's like a, this is my kickoff and punt returner type of like he's we, he has wr next to his name but he's a specialist because yeah. like Keyshawn like nixon the, might not be back the possible. uh the uh, winningham kid out of texas that's like a special teams ace right who's a freakazoid athlete like i could right see so if you're like drafting that. jeff janice on day three but like a receiver to actually contribute yeah. to the passing game to me you're doing 25 or 41 and the yep. guy at 25 or 41 better be a guy that you think is like special stud. Awesome. Which if they took him at those picks, they probably do. We're out of time. Uh, we're going to talk plenty of stuff about the draft as we get between here and uh, the end of the year. Check us out at pack a day podcast. want to thank Andy for letting us chat today uh, with you guys. We will be back next week. Just audio. want to congratulate preemptively our podcast partner, Trey Watson. Uh, we will let him share his news as to why we're handing out that. Congratulations. That is up to him for his news to share. But he should tentatively be back with us next week as we are in the doldrums of the offseason. And that that kind of sucks, quite frankly. Uh, I was trying to think today. No way. Combine. Combine's coming up. You're like two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. The combine and the draft get me through. And then, yeah, once we hit May, June. That's that's the ooh. I just, I don't know. What am I going to watch I'll, on TV for the next 
six months. I do this every year. I'm trying, I'm trying to get into basketball. Read a book. Would you read a book or I something? I can't. I can't. Do you know read? to read? You talking? No. I didn't go to whatever the hell the name of your middle school is. So Mr. Stack teach me how to read. So I don't know. Mm. But I don't. I, I'm trying to do the basketball thing, and I like the sports, but. I know the NBA, the games just don't really matter until like April. And I don't know. The college game is just, you know, whatever to me. And I know that's sad because I really like the tournament, or at least I used to really get into the tournament, but I'm just not that interested. So bummer. If if you got suggestions for me on hobbies and stuff like that, I'd be happy to take them. Uh, But until then, I'm Jacob Westendorf. That is Jacob Morley. We'll be back next week talking Packers. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed the Super Bowl and Taylor Swift. See you. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.